Hey there. Welcome to the show. Uh, you know, it's amazing. Here we are. We're in April, coming closer to the end than the beginning. And I got to tell you, there's some some stuff in the wind in real estate and lots for us to talk about today. Hey, by the way, I got a great lineup for you today. Uh, we're mixing it up a little. Uh, I do, of course, have Dave Butler from BM Select. He's in the studio with me. Uh, a little bit later in the hour, though, I do have uh, one new guest and one returning guest. I've got Robert Hogue. He is the Assistant Chief Economist with RBC. Uh, Mr. Hogue's been with me before, and he will be joining me again. We're going to talk about what the economy is looking uh, at. And a new guest that's going to be joining me shortly will be Pauline Learman. And Pauline is the Vice President, Market Research for Ontario for Zonda Urban Team. And, you know, some people are saying, hey, Todd, why are you bringing on all these economists? And it's like, well, you know, uh, facts, numbers, you know, they, they, they track everything. They give us a pretty good idea and impression where, you know, the market's going. And, of course, where the market's going hopefully is in the right direction, um, you know. And uh, speaking of in the right direction, hey, if you're not doing anything this coming Thursday at 7 p.m., guess what you can do? You can join me for my simple seminar or webinar. You know, love to see you in-house here at the, the you know, the head uh, head office for the uh, simple company. But 7 p.m., uh, I am going to, uh, you know, kind of help people navigate through some of these higher interest rate uh, issues, you know, what you can do, show you where the best place is to buy. And by the way, here it is. You got it. I've got a special release, new location, new property, um, not brand new being built, meaning new to us as far as a release and one bedroom investment properties starting at one twenty nine nine. Uh, you know what? This is, this is a price. I, I don't ever think we'll see again. It is a very special release. Uh, only way you're going to find out about it is this Thursday at 7 PM. So go to the simple to register either to the seminar or webinar. And it's the only way you're going to find out about it. Sorry. There's just, that's how we do things here. And it very, very exciting. And if you want to follow me, uh, you can do it on Instagram, the simple investor win. So as I mentioned, sitting in the studio here, as I have been going on, Dave Butler, you know, broker owner, BM Select, Dave, what do you think of that price? Uh, I feel like I've been time warped back to like 2002 and I'm driving around like Miss Sug and I'm seeing a new build up <laughs> with a one in front of it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, I know you work with lots of investors out there, you know, for us, um, you know, taking a look at what's happening, you know, Southwestern Ontario for 129.9, I, you know, I. Honestly, I, I don't think I'll ever find this again. I, I, I would say that the pricing and the time kind of flow very well together because as we are sitting and talking about it, as always, we do on the show, uh, affordability, uh, you know, payments, you know, every, everything's very different these days. So, you know, and, and why, why are we seeing investors sitting on the sidelines? Well, because it's not hitting their zone right now. I don't see how 129.9 based on today's rents, based on even today's rates, doesn't hit the right zone for most investors. So yeah, and by our calculations, just so everybody knows, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Other than you do end up with positive cash flow on this too. So you know, really, really exciting stuff. So I want to make sure um, Dave's going to probably be here uh, with his, a couple of his uh, team on uh, Thursday night, I believe. Yep. And you know, one of the things, Dave, you and I, uh, you know, I I'm not sure if the guys have our prediction from last month, but I do know when we were talking 
about inflation and where that index was going, I'm pretty sure I remember you saying, hey, you know, we could get into the low fours. I'm, 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 I'm starting to think that maybe you should be picking lottery numbers. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, uh, it was nice to see that print. I mean, 4.3 coming down from 5.2. I mean, that was the biggest statistical drop that we have seen, um, you know, for, in the previous month was the one bigger. We had gone from 5.9 to 5.2. So um, really, really, really interesting stuff. You know, we're, we're coming into what I think is an, an, an interesting part of the season. You got no Bank of Canada meeting in May, but yet just this week, we just got the March CPI numbers. In May, we're going to get the April CPI numbers. So we're basically going to have two CPI prints before the next Bank Canada meeting, one which we already had, and then the one in May. So, you know, if you can get down to 3.8, 3.9, even lower than that, um, I think you're going to start to see the Bank of Canada in their language stop talking about if inflation peaks, we're looking to raise rates aggressively again and start talking about, well, maybe we've started to win the war on inflation. And if you start hearing that, that's going to bode well for potential future rate decreases. And more importantly, I, I'm super interested to see if that happens, what the reaction is in the bond yield market. Yeah. You know, I, I do listen to some of the uh, economists, uh, you know, if, like I said, we've got Robert Hogue that's going to be joining me in a little while. Um, but one of the things that a lot of them have said is they, they, they feel like the Bank of Canada has hit their ceiling. And, you know, by definition, they say in this cycle, okay? okay. And so, you know, when we talk about cycle, folks, that can be, you know, anywhere from like six to 24 months, you know, and this is where you have that upheaval in marketplaces and eventually things calm down, but, you know, they cycled it up. Uh, Dave, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about banks. We talk about the lending institutions out there. And right now, you know, obviously some of the regional banks, they took a, took a decent hit uh, down in the U.S., you know, you hear those rumors, you know, TD, you know, it's got something on their books that they're looking pretty ugly. You know, you've got a few of these other, you know, major lenders in the world economy, you know, they're feeling it. And, you know, I, I would imagine when you talk about the bond yields, because that does affect the fixed rate mortgages, you know, we are hearing uh, some of the different lenders are throwing out I call it a lollipop, but a little bit of an incentive because they want to see the market move. Yeah, look, this is, uh, you know, traditionally, you know, Q4, Q1, uh, you know, normally not in from a seasonality standpoint, super, super hot with real estate. It was always, always, always a Q2, Q3 game. Um, and it'll, you know, we, we, we I, you know, talking to some of these banks, they're saying, you know, they're down 70% on units. You know, I was talking to a very big uh, a rep at one of the big six banks and explaining how you know like they, they they are down a certain amount that they believe they think treasury and in the back end they're going to start to see some movement um in for the positive meaning you know potentially some discounts from the current rates so um interesting to see interesting stats to hear of from a big bank here in canada as well so yeah i mean you know you said it perfectly right it's a cycle um you know typically the reason why you're going to see end and beginnings of cycles is because of volatility like and issues like something like this like some banks starting to see cracks and issues so when you start to see that and you you know you've just come off the heels of 4.2 percent in interest rate hikes over basically just under a year you know you can you can start to see why potentially we could start to see the banks get a little bit more aggressive on rates so we'll see i mean listen right now i will say this it's i would even though there is some quite a lot of still volatility in the bond yield market, I will say that it looks to me at least that we won't be hitting 
the highs that we saw before. And I think that that bodes well for us. And again, we just need more time. I mean, inflation to keep coming down, but we need more time. And if we do that, I think I think there's there's some there's some good news coming for Canadians potentially here. Yeah. So Tiff Macklin, head of the Bank of Canada, you know, uh, last week had mentioned that, you know, they, they, they are on pause. You know, he didn't take off the table that they could potentially increase. But he also did say that, you know, they didn't really see a reduction coming this year. You know, you hear a lot of these and, and, and I'll tell you the, the, the bears in the market and a few of these people that, you know, believe they know all. Uh, gotta love those guys. You know, they're, oh, nothing's going to happen until 2024. You know, I kind of, I kind of disagree. Um, it, it will depend obviously on what does happen with inflation numbers, but I do, I'm concerned, you know, they are getting, we are coming into a recession. True economists are saying we're coming into a re recession. There's all, there's normally only one way out yep. and that's by reducing the rate yep. and Something tells me that we could feel a little bit more pressure coming to the Bank of Canada, I would say September, October, you know, um, I don't know if you agree, but to me, to me, I think they're going to have to do something. Yeah. I mean, look, Tiff, Tiff, I don't think is going to put out anything right now. That's positive. <laughs> yeah. In terms of, in terms of language that would set the bond yields in, you know, in a tizzy. And what I mean by that is if Tiff starts saying like, Hey, we've already won the war, everything looks great. The bond yields will tank and then the fixed rates will come down quickly. And he knows that that could then have a huge spark. So he's trying his best, I believe, to keep things curtailed. But the reality is this, you can't, you know, keep the jack in the box forever. At some point, as you say, we are clearly entering a recession. I mean, many, many people I talk to are out of work, which is why I'm so confused about these unemployment figures. It seems like they're cooked or something's going on or they've changed the way they're being calculated. Government cooking the boats? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's 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 interesting to me because I deal with, you know, the general public and to hear how many people are losing their jobs and then the, every time the unemployment uh, rates come out and it says it's the lowest we've ever had, it's everything's amazing. You know, it makes me think, right? Because that really seems to be the only thing that's holding them back from changing their tone if inflation is indeed on the right side. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we use the word recession, um, you know, sporadically here, but you know, the one, the one thing, I think one of the things that if we do go into a recession, one of the things that I think people can take some solace in is the fact that real estate values and prices aren't going to tank the way they have in previous recessions. And again, going back to our, our, you and I always having the statement of the lack of inventory. Well, when you pull a hundred, you know, sorry, when you pull a million new people into the country, you have no inventory. It's really hard, even in a recession to say your, your real estate values are going to bottom out. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in the type of recession that potentially we are entering into, it's seems to be more one that's going to affect real estate a lot less on the negative side and it's going to affect equities and potentially other things even more so you know uh but yeah i mean supply issue obviously something to talk about we've got you know we just lost how many in that fire uh in the richmond hill area i believe we like you know those were almost you know probably ready to go soon families getting ready to move in that's now delayed things and i know people will say well dave that's a small number it doesn't matter if it you know, at the end of the day, we are we are running thin as it is. So to lose any type of housing construction or have anything go bad, um, it's certainly not going to help in terms of pressure in terms of the real estate market. I mean, it's you know, we are looking at something where if I was if I was someone on the outside, I'd be saying, hey, I'm looking to enter. Yeah. 
Well, listen, Dave, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for, for joining me today. Also, folks, if you want to meet Dave and his team, he will be here. That's right. This Thursday, don't miss out, 7 p.m. Uh, we're having our simple seminar webinar. You can join us in-house, meet Dave and his team. Also uh, going to be a very, very exciting release. Don't miss out. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, I've got a new guest joining me. Uh, she's never been on the show, but I've been looking forward to having her join me. And fortunately, she's able to free up some time for us today. I do have Pauline Learman joining me, and she is actually the Vice President of Market Research for Ontario and Quebec with Zonda uh, Urban Team. And uh, Pauline, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Todd. Uh, wonderful to have you. And maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your company, and then we can dive into the world of real estate. Well, I've actually been an analyst in the, the Greater Toronto uh, at Hamilton Market Area for 20 years. So I've worked through, I like to call the circle of life tour for, <laughs> for data services. Um, I've worked for what used to be RealNet, which is Altus, and I've worked for Enberry Light Consultants, who was a very well-established consultancy firm. And then most recently, for about 11 years, I was with Urban Nation. Oh, okay. So I started with Urban, uh, Zonda Urban about two years ago. Um, and yeah, so it's been a long time. There's very little I haven't seen on the ground in terms of advisory. Um, I'm well known for being very, very hands-on. Most people in the industry will know me. If you've been in pre-con, um, you probably have seen me on site somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and and I'll tell you, you definitely have a, a great history there with a lot of the companies that you know, they, it, it seems like some of the companies you've been with, they were some of the ones that established really the, you know, analytics for a lot of the marketplace. And so I, I, I got to tell you, the last few years, you know, I think the analytics have been kind of off, off the chart with a lot of things that a lot of people didn't expect. You know, COVID obviously had a huge impact on, you know, how how people were calculating out numbers. I mean, you know, so there was so much whimsical stuff. Maybe, maybe tell us the last few years what you've experienced. Um, I think that, you know, when COVID started, the automatically the, the headlines started saying, what's going to be the new normal? Are we ever going to be normal again? And I don't know if the market's actually ever reached another normal. <laughs> like since then, it's just been very impacted by naming in ways that people weren't necessarily thinking about. Um, and obviously when COVID started, people were moving out of the city um, and that kind of divulging of people kind of spreading within Southern Ontario really took people by surprise. And the industry itself maybe had a quarter of shock amongst everything else that we were doing and then it kind of rebounded so we had some funky years where there was a lot of sales during the summer which is not normal because if you know developers they're usually not around during the summer months <laughs> their their uh, consultancies are <laughs> yeah you no, know, they're, they're they're you know too busy on vacation or on the golf course so exactly um so you know let, let's let's i i i just happy to have you on today you know, maybe we'll be able to go a little bit longer but one of the one of the things that I, I want to talk to you today so we talk about developers of course and you know there's been a lot of issues that have been brought up in the last call it uh 11 months because of the increase in the interest rates and we watch a lot of developers say we're going to put our hands in our pockets for now we're just going to wait um because interest rates went up and of course their cost of construction has elevated and we did see a couple of people pull um off the you know off the the entry point and say look at we're going to shelve some of these projects when you see stuff like that, you know, obviously you now have to rework some of the numbers and some of your focus on, you know, how are we going to get back to our supply and demand issue, which we have a massive one here, especially in Ontario. 
Um, yeah, exactly. The market kind of had a bit of a punch down. Um, if you didn't come out before, I guess, mid-April of last year, um, your market sales after, if you launched afterwards, you were definitely, um, you know, in a struggle. And coming to terms with that, um, I always find that in historically, that anytime there's any kind of major kind of economic or financial shifts that happens within the race, real estate market, whether it's like amortization that are allowed, um, you know, stress tests when it first came on, um, those take about at least six to eight, sometimes nine months to actually shake themselves out. Um, and I'm starting to kind of see right now what either you either shelved your project for a developer. Um, and what I mean by shelved, you not necessarily have launched because that's a cancellation, but you've actually kind of said, okay, I'm going to put this on the back burner. We're not going to push it forward to marketing. Maybe we tweak a bit of the planning. And that's where it stays. Um, we had a lot of that kind of pushed back. And the biggest thing that we heard maybe a couple months ago was people were expecting to maybe wait till the fall to open their projects. Um, they wanted to have that period um, where they come to it. Yeah. So one one of the one of the big things I think that, um, you know, focusing on back to builders for a second is the fact that now a huge influx of new immigrants. And to, to me, I guess that would be a little bit concerning, obviously, because we have inventory issues, not enough rental issues you know, uh, rental properties coming to market, you know, for, for yourself, when you start calculating out of these numbers, you know, I, I know you use formulas. I know, you know, you having obviously the history that you've got, but it's got to make it tough. Like your calculator is probably working pretty much overtime right now, trying to figure out some of the solutions here. My calculator has been on fire, actually. So, <laughs> um, it is, it's incredibly struggling. Um, and it's a bit of a, I have to forewarn people when they talk about supply, it's not just the immigration, it's also that those immigration numbers don't include uh, foreign students. So you got to keep that in mind. I mean, our advisory team looks at it pretty closely. And there's a lot of students that have come to, you know, Ontario and Canada uh, broadly in the last uh, two years after kind of things started to open up. Um, so that's adding to the stress of that all. But there's also this bit of a mirage problem that's going to be coming forward. This is the first quarter and we're just finishing up our Q1 where we actually had completions, which is basically buildings starting to occupy apartment buildings. Um, that are run ahead of starts and starts have just collapsed and starts were at a record high a year ago. Um, so that's generally because obviously sales have slowed and there's less product coming to the market and new openings. Um, but the barrage I'm talking about is we're going to get actually deliver quite a bit of product over the next two years. So I'm ballparking in the range of 25,000 units per year apartments. Right. And that's going to kind of stabilize things a bit, but it's not going to be the solution that people expect. So it doesn't solve our supply issues, as you noted. Um, what it does is kind of gives a bit of a stopgap. And then when we get to 2025, it's going to be kind of like a holy what's going on problem because we've had a slowdown of launches. And on any of those launches, they're, they're not going to deliver for like three to four years at least, right? Right. So beyond that window, we have to really look at how we're delivering our units. You know, if we want to actually meet the very high target of 1.5 million new homes in <laughs> Ontario. Okay, you didn't. Uh, okay, yeah. you, you opened up a can of worms there. You know, I was just waiting <laughs> so you and I could attack that one. So you yeah. just. So here's the thing. So you just you you did mention the the 25,000 completions, right? Next year, yeah, yeah. And then you talk about the Ford government, and you know, I'm not just going to pick on Ford. This is most governing bodies. Yeah. They're all sitting there jumping up and down, and they're telling us they're going to be able to knock out 150,000 doors in a year. You know, I, I, I got to tell you that in a genie lamp, maybe we have a chance, but quite frankly, I mean, I'm sure you, it definitely, cause you do focus on real numbers and this is, you know, there's a difference between wishful and fictitious numbers and then there's the reality and you, you live in reality. 
how realistic and 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 you know definitely how realistic is 150 doors in a year in Ontario? I'll use Toronto as an example. It, it's not realistic at all. Um, right now, when I I did an analysis a few months back that looked at kind of what was in active development um, in Toronto alone versus the targets. And it was not coming up to even like 40% of that total. And that was all units that were regardless of construction status. So they were in pre-con, they were, you know, shovels in the ground, they were up in the tower. Um, and all those units deliver all the way through right now as we're tracking to about 2027, most before 2026. So then you've got this other window, like if you're not in full development now, how are you going to add on to all of that to reach that goal by 2031, which is their goalpost? Um, and just Toronto being the largest at its success, none of these other areas are getting there. And it's particularly sharp, like a lot of the product is apartments, like we do multifamily at Zonda Urban and our multifamily includes all forms of townhouses. The townhouse development is just dropped by the wayside. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and when you and I talk about, you know, the different classes of, of properties, you know, you talk about your move up buyers, you talk about your first time buyers, you talk about the rental properties. I mean, there's so much to, to define in these marketplaces. And again, I know collectively they they kept talking about, you know, 150,000 units or, or for that matter, they're talking about 1.5. And I, I, I was giving them the graces to go one point, you know, 150 a year, quite frankly, you know, I, I, be, I before they even get a shovel in the ground, I think we're going to be two, three years down the road. So, you know what, Pauline, um, I, I, I'm hoping, if you don't mind, why don't you stay put? I'd love to put you on into yeah, another segment. That. It's been awesome having you. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, Pauline Learman, um, she is now the Vice President Market Research for Ontario and Quebec at Zona Urban Team. And you know what? These are This is reality. This is somebody that is dealing with the actual numbers, not the fictitious stuff, not the stuff in the cloud, not the stuff that we're wishful thinking. We're talking about the real numbers of real estate. And so when we come back, I'm going to have more with Pauline. So stay put. And by the way, don't forget to tune in on my Instagram account, The Simple Investor One, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Pauline Learman. And Pauline is, by the way, the vice president of market research at Zonda Urban Team. And Pauline, just before the break, you know, I just love having you on. Great conversation, talking about all sorts of exciting things as far as numbers. And I'm a real numbers guy. I believe in them. And, and the fact that, you know, we've got some stuff floating around with the, um, with the government throwing out some numbers that are eh, maybe questionable. Um, so let's, let's talk about the influence of interest rates and how you feel that affects the market. It has a massive, you know, you're running for so long at what we would call record low interest rates and suddenly to ramp up within like a month and a half, three months as it did, um, it's just going to have completely slow impact. And that covers the entire spectrum of the market. I mean, we track apartments and sale markets. We also do track rental apartments. Um, and it's just kind of kind of gave this pall across the market space. Everybody wanted to know what was going on. Um, certainly, if you were a first-time buyer, maybe trying to buy a townhouse, you were definitely holding off because of the stress tests were now over 8%. Um, so it kind of created this pall over the market that's lasted a little bit. And what it's also created is kind of what we call incentivization. So really to kind of spur sales, how do we make our price points more attractive? In, in some cases, reduce our prices, which has happened more on the townhouse front, um, and by a large margin in some cases. Um, so they've had to kind of re refigure how they actually market and whether they're going to market at all. 
Right. Now let's talk about the current marketplace. You know, um, you know, historic low inventory when it comes down to resale. And I know you do have to track, you know, the resale market because that does is indicative of any marketplace. And right now, you know, we are, we're starting to see some life come back into it. You know, we head into the spring, perhaps we're going to see a little bit of reduction in the fixed mortgage rates based on the Bank of Canada pausing any rate increases. We're watching the bond uh, yields, you know, drop a little. Um, typically at this time of year, we do find the banks want to buy some business. So this is where that, you know, those little specials will pop up. But still to date, when when you and I talk about, you know, our date right now, April, you know, 2023, we are now taking a look at numbers that there's just no inventory. And, you know, so anything that does pop up, those would-be buyers that have been just sitting on the fence that are saying, look, it, we're coming off. We're still seeing activity that, you know, for some people doesn't is, isn't making any sense. But, you know, I always go back to, look, if there's 10 buyers and one property come up, there's going to be a buyer that's going to buy it. I agree. And I mean, you think about, you talk about all those numbers about immigration and, and coming in the market, like it's all margins, right? So you talk about the margin, you have a growth of an underlying demand that's sitting there. It's going to percolate when there's options. So that just brings it all to the market. Like, and it kind of, you're talking a little bit about green shoots. I would agree. Like I, as an analyst, we tend to always kind of look at the resale market for signs, because it tends to lead and then pre-con follows. And that's been kind of the case for like, as long as I've been tracking. Um, and I say green shoots is a good way of thinking about it. Um, we just finished up our Q1 numbers and they're not spectacular by any sort of the means. They're probably a quarter of what they were a year ago, which was a record quarter for Q1, by the way, in 2022. Um, but we did see some definite, um, what we call strong new openings on the condominium front in, Toronto, in the Greater Toronto Hamilton area. So projects that were well-priced that came out and sold 70 to 80%, or if not sold out of their units. And then there was other groups, other groups that maybe did not so well. So they maybe came out and sold maybe 20% of the units, so which is and historically for us, not very strong opening. Um, and they're going to have to grind it out. But there is signs there that demand is right if you've got the right price point. Um, and just as it guideline, I'm sure there'll be plenty of developers going to say, you said this number and now I'm going to have to sell this. <laughs> I can't wait for that call. Um, it's, you know, the, the ballpark range is $1,200 a foot under kind of around that particularly um with the market out of the downtown core um not as many launches downtown spread out amongst the 905 when i say 905 everything from hamilton all the way over to pickering at this point right yeah and you know it's interesting that you you, you touch on that that number because some of this construction that has taken a great deal of time you know we got stalled out through covid you know people that were buying originally in let's call it 2018 that are now going to close, you know, because uh, sometimes there's that window of five years for completion of a project. You know, they ended up putting their name down, you know, back in 2018, 2019. You know, some of those people purchasing in six or $700 a square foot at the time, you know, now they take a look at it. You know, I think that there's some people that should have a little bit of confidence that, you know, they have built equity over this time period. So closing on that is actually, you know, closing on that property for them is probably a good idea. I would think so too. You should be able to easily rent it. I mean, it's not renting on LDA's difficulty at this point um, at all. Uh, you know, we definitely have to bring more rental product to the market. And that price point, you know, if they're buying at that, the biggest thing we always find with that is is how much do they put down originally. Right. And now I've never been able to quantify it. Um, certainly bankers might say that. 
but you know, we always anecdotally hear like sometimes it's a lot more than fake. And I'll say that in quotation marks from the brokerages. And um, that's kind of the key to that. Uh, That on the other side of it is there is still a bit more of assignment deals out there. And those are just so difficult. I mean, as an analyst, I would love to have like kind of like a zoom on those. (laughs) Um, But I do track them in certain places. You know, there's like four or five different postings. They tend to like be multiples. And you do see a margin of people who maybe bought a little too high yep. and, and closing soon and being a little bit stressed. Yeah. So I there think, are some of those there. I think if you can get access to the Canadian Revenue Agency, um, they've yeah. been all they've been all over those assignments, just so you know. So th- th- that's one of those things you have to be mindful of. So one one important question that I do want to ask you this, and and you know, I get asked the question all the time, and I take a look and I analyze politicians and everything else. What is affordable? You know how everybody keeps saying they use the 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 the, the, the buzzword. We're going to create more affordable housing. You know, I always, I, you know, my question of I, I put it to the politicians, and you know, they always struggle giving me that definition. In today's market, what is affordable? Because quite frankly, you know, when I look at affordability, I think to myself, okay, cost of construction and land, okay, like how much lower can we discount that stuff? Because you, you can't right now. We can't discount labor. We can't discount material. And right now it's really hard to discount any land because there just isn't any more. So the problem that I have when I hear these buzzwords in any form of campaign is we're going to create affordable housing. And then when they do, the question is, is, is it home ownership or is it rental product that they're going to make more affordable to rent? So can you tell me your take on it? I would, you know, I, I'm not going to go technical. I was going to <laughs> totally talk about it because I know- No, go personal. It's, <laughs> it's totally personal. This yeah. um, I personally feel that on a rent level, you should have product that's under 1000 or under $1,200 a month as an affordable rental product. Um, the problem we also need affordable from what I would call mid-market buying perspective. And we also need those that are on the lower income scale um, and should be able to access, you know, the housing basically. Um, on the ownership side, you know, when I first started out, there was a lot of good ownership. <laughs> you know, you think in a Liberty Village, you could easily get a unit for 200000 Um, Those days have sailed. I would say that it would be really good if we could have personally my own thoughts and it's construction probably will go with it. If we had solid product that was apartment product that you could sell between five, 600,000, that was well done. Like that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That would be great. But you know, the, the, there, there's the, there, there is that, that problem that we have and, yes. and now you know, even when we when when you and I talk about numbers and you do talk about pre-construction, the fact is that we have to construct it and we have a labor shortage. We don't have enough trades in the industry. In fact, we've got an aging demographic that means that we're going to even have less trades, which means our costs are going to go up because every single tradesperson that's there is going to double up their salaries. You know, this this is this is the the, the world we live in today. I just like I said, for me, affordability it's it's a uh, it's a buzzword, but it's not one that anybody's actually quantifying to us, the consumer, yourself, the analyst. I mean, you know, when somebody says to you, hey, look, you know, and, and I agree with you, you know, um, at, at The Simple Investor, we have a lot of product in the outer markets. You can rent for $1,200 a month, no problem. But it's the outer market. It's not the GTA. And this is this is the thing. It's driving people to the outer limits to be able to get that affordability. Yeah. And I mean, I'll give you just an anecdotal example of the rental. Try imagining yourself in London, 
in London, Ontario, and I have a lot of family in London. And these days, they're, they're market rents for some of these units. And they're actually a unique market because they've actually had a lot of rental built mm-hmm. amongst a couple of developers, amongst all of the kind of the Ontario marketplaces. And, you know, 1400 1500 now for a basic, like, you know, sizable one bedroom. Yep. Uh, and that's tough for, you know, because you're not getting paid, I guess, Toronto income levels, right? So you're coming into that market and you're thinking, oh, I'm already have to outlay, you know, over half of my income. Yeah. On that front. So. Yeah. Well, you know what, Pauline, I appreciate you joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. I'm, I, I was thrilled to have you come on the show and I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. And, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Okay, folks, that was Pauline Learman and wonderful to have her on. Um, you know, definitely you want to re-listen to, to what Pauline did say about numbers and everything else and where we are in the market. And so if you stay put, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Joining me now is Mr. Robert Hogue. And Mr. Hogue is the um, Assistant Chief Economist at Royal Bank of Canada. And uh, he's responsible for providing analysis and forecasts on the Canadian housing market and provincial economies. And Mr. Hogue, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for an invitation. Um, great having you back. Um, I think a lot has changed since you and I last spoke. Uh, interest rates obviously going through the roof, um, and now we're kind of in a pause. So uh, I'd love to get your take on on quite a few things that are happening, both uh, with interest rates, obviously inflation, and then overall the real estate market that we're dealing with. So how about we start off with the, the obviously the biggest elephant in the room would be interest rates. Right, right. And and uh, I guess the good news is that uh, our view is that the Bank of Canada is done. Uh, we think that 4.5% for the overnight rate is as high as going to get this cycle. Uh, now, mind you, we don't expect the Bank of Canada, Bank of Canada to cut it uh, anytime soon, uh, but uh, at least it's not uh, going to keep uh, rising up, uh, above where it is today. Anyone hoping to see some interest rate cuts from the Bank of Canada is probably a more of a 2024 story, so probably a year from now. And between now and then, uh, likely to stay around uh, 4.5%. Right. So, Mr. Hogue, a lot of people, obviously, when they buy uh, real estate, they do look at the two, two ways of doing it. They look at the fixed rate and they look at the variable rate. And Bank of Canada has the most reflection on the variable rate. Now, let's talk about the bond markets, though, because we have seen a bit of a decline. And, you know, notoriously, we've seen some of the banks come back with, you know, a little bit more of an internal discount, trying to, you know, give people a little better option if they go to a fixed rate mortgage. Do you see that happening perhaps over the next six months to be able to get people back into to purchasing? Because, I mean, we've had such a drop off in comparison to the high of, you know, 2021, 2022 has, you know, really, really low numbers as far as purchasing. Obviously, that does reflect into the banking system. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen the bond markets uh, reacting quite uh, significantly to uh, the turmoil in uh, U.S. or regional banks and what happened also in Switzerland as well. So uh, for sure, the uh, uh, volatility in financial markets have had some, some some impact and we've seen bond yields uh, decline accordingly. And in, our, in, 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 in fact, our, our view had been even prior to that turmoil uh, that uh, bond yields would uh, drift lower, not you know, that, that uh, hugely... <laughs> 
uh, lower, but uh, nonetheless, the pick was more or less uh, behind us. And that continues to, to be the case. If anything, uh, what we've seen the drop in bond yields in uh, recent weeks has, has kind of brought back uh, those yields around where, where our forecast uh, uh, was. So, so it's kind of uh, brought them back in line with our view uh, going forward. So with their, uh, you know, at the margin, that, that could uh, probably signal that um, uh, fixed mortgage rates might uh, uh, drift lower as well. Now, you know, it's not necessarily one-for-one one, uh, relationship between bond yields and uh, fixed mortgage rates. There's a lot of competition going on between financial institutions and, and uh, you know, the, the uh, funding or uh, the, the cost of funding for financial institutions as well uh, that, that uh, uh, play a role in there. But, but clearly the starting point is, is probably going to be, you know, gradually more favorable from a, for longer term interest rates. Right. And, and you did touch on something that I did want to get your take on, of course, was, a, you know, a couple of regional banks that found themselves, you know, uh, in, in, in a situation in the United States and of course in Switzerland. Uh, well, when, when we talk about these kind of things, you know, obviously, you know, yourself, you know, you're, when, when we talk about the banking industry, you know, there's, you see these rumors floating around. You know, is there a potential for some of these other regional banks maybe to still be in a, a troublesome position? I mean, you know, I know that you would, you know, definitely be watching and analyzing these kind of numbers that float around. Um, you know, obviously the huge increase out of, you know, exponential way of doing it, you know, the basically, you know, eight meetings, seven increases, obviously it's got to put a lot of pressure on the banking system. Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. And, and, and when, when also when you look historically, when you had that kind of a tightening in monetary policy, uh, it does have consequences, not, not, not just for households and, and businesses, but also for the financial, uh, financial institutions, financial systems. And, and so the fact that we've had some, uh, some getting into trouble is not a huge shocking, but it's still a surprise. No, nobody really saw uh, the, uh, uh, the, the bank run in, in California, for example. Uh, coming a ahead of time, uh, but but nonetheless, is is are, are we really shocked that it it you know that there is some some friction and, and tensions in financial uh, 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 financial system? Well, not really. Could there be more, more tension? Well, probably, mind you. Now all uh, uh, regulators are uh, scrutinizing every uh, financial institution that's out there just to to ensure that you know, there, there's no. It's not going to be any further firms uh, 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 at risk, or if there are, you know, how how we uh, how they can uh, address those before before they become you know systemic issues. And so, in that sense, uh, uh, you know that there any kind of further trouble might be addressed very quickly. Right. Uh, and at this point, so it's, but 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 really, uh, you no. Know, We've seen financial markets in terms of bond yields kind of calm down after the initial uh, uh, bout of of, uh, of anxiety, uh, and it may just be a reflection that uh, there's confidence that regulators have things under control. Right. Now, let's talk about the inflationary numbers. Um, this week, report comes out, um, you know, month before, 5.2 down to 4.3. Um, you know, it's a fairly big step down. Obviously, there's a you know a couple of main factors, obviously, indicating why we're pushing the inflationary numbers down. Uh, from an economist's perspective, yourself, um, you know, that probably puts a little bit of a smile on your face because you know, obviously, the measures that were put in place are working. They seem to be working even a little bit quicker than I even think people anticipated. 
Uh, would would have you anticipated that four point three this month, or you know could have been a little bit higher? Uh, no, we we did actually, and 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 it was pretty in line with with consensus. So, so it was uh, the majority of, of of economists expected that that uh, degree of uh, uh, the deceleration in, in the rate of price increases, and 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 also going forward when. Keeping in mind that inflation really is you're comparing your basket and goods and services uh, to a year ago, and we know what happened a year ago. And it was a, a, the spring of, of 2022 was a period when uh, uh, when prices increased you know, very rapidly, uh, and so the the it is quite likely that the coming months will also see the rate of uh, the, the inflation rate and moderate, uh, you know, still you know, quite significantly uh, more. Uh, so, so, and it's just like pure, pure math, and in, in the sense of what relative to what and it's what we call within the base effect is relative to a year ago, right. and and we do agree with the bank. You now, just uh, last week, that that uh, indicated uh, the Bank of Canada indicated that uh, it expects inflation inflation rate in Canada to be around three percent uh, over the later this year. And this is also kind of broadly in line with what we're expecting. And in fact, we can, by the end of this year, we might be getting pretty close to two percent, right? Uh, in terms of the headline inflation rate. So, uh, so clearly, you know, there some of the the policies are, are are working, and the economy is cooling. In fact, we do expect a, a recession in Canada still, despite you know, very strong numbers to date. Uh, but also some of the uh, you know, unusual factors during the, the pandemic. You know, think of you know, supply chain disruptions, for example. Things are you know, easing on that front. Uh, probably still not all, all of them not back to where they were before the, the, uh, the pandemic, but we've seen to, you know, the, uh, substantial progress. And then same with commodity prices. We've seen some, uh, uh, they've come off their uh, uh, earlier peak. So there, the, the, all of these factors contribute uh, to uh, inflation moderating forward. Right. And, and, and of course, we do struggle a little with inventory currently in the housing market, um, which I think has also offset uh, a huge price depreciation. So I think it, it's helped us actually balance the market a little. And going forward, you know, uh, the idea of building more product, I think it's also a little bit stagnated. You know, we're struggling with employment. We're still growing, still with a little bit of supply chain, and then I think that eventually, you know, hopefully we're looking at a balanced market in the future. Um, Mr. Hogue, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show once again. I, I, I thank you for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you perhaps in a few months so we can find out, you know, how we're moving forward. Uh, of course. Cheers. Folks, that was Robert Hogue, and Mr. Hogue is the Assistant Chief Economist at RBC. So that's a wrap for this week. Uh, I definitely want to thank my guests for joining me, Mr. Robert Hogue, Pauline Learman, and of course, Dave Butler. And um, don't forget, coming up this Thursday, don't miss out on our Simple Seminar. That's 7 p.m. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Aiden and Omar in the booth. They kept it simple for me this week, as they always do. And I want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.